Welcome to the Salem Fields Community Church Podcast of the Weekly Message. We hope that you find this podcast personally helpful, and we also encourage you to share the subscription link found at salemfields.com podcast with your friends that might be able to use some practical advice and encouragement. Um, okay, today we've, we continue our Silent Killers series, and it was going to end today, but Buddy has decided to extend it one more week, so come back next week and see the final Silent Killer. There are lots of them. We've talked about apathy and pride and coveting and being offended. Today we're going to talk about one more deadly toxin that can creep into our heart and into our being without us even realizing it. And that is the need, the need, that's a big word, the need for approval, aka what? People pleasing, pleasing people. Uh, There's an old cartoon, uh, Charlie Brown, of course, and uh, Linus said, what do you think of my shoes? I just shined them, he said to, to Lucy. And she says, wow, they're so shiny, they look great, nice job. And he turns around, walks out, and and Lucy says, you forgot to polish the backs. And she says, I can see the scoffs when you walk away, the scuffs. <laughs> oh, I didn't forget, he says. I only care what people think when I enter a room. I don't care what they think when I leave. <laughs> Good for Linus, because that's half the problem. Most people care about both, right? Um, you know, this, it's a very common thing. And there's nothing wrong with wanting people to like us. Every single one of us want to be liked. In fact, God placed this desire. God did this. He placed a desire in our heart to love and to be loved. And he did that so that we could have healthy relationships, so that we could have good relationships because God is all about relationships, a relationship with him, a relationship with each other. And he wants us to have the best that we can have. So he placed that in our heart. And then what happens is we come into the world, right? And he places us in the hands of flawed people. And he places us in a world that's very, very flawed. And we begin to learn a version of love and a version of what it means to be loved. And we learn a version of love that's often distant. You know, maybe we had a parent that wasn't really engaged in our life or absent even. Maybe we had a parent that was missing. Um, We have parents that are overprotective. We have parents that are very respectful. We have parents that teach us all kinds of things. And we began to put all of that together and we learn what it means to make a parent happy and we learn what makes them unhappy. And some of us, I was one that would just achieve and I'd get the approval and I began to connect my self-worth with my performance. And then there are some of us that had parents that you could never please them no matter what you did. And so you kept working and working and striving and striving to get the approval of that parent. And so we're kind of, we kind of develop these habits and we put things together as a child and we try to figure things out and then we set out on a course into the world with all of that stuff that we've learned and all that's been programmed within us and all along the way, without even realizing it, in every relationship that we have, 
we're responding to this deep need, this deep desire that God placed within each of our hearts to be loved and to love other people. And then we begin to do relationships, and sometimes we hit a snag in a relationship, and we wonder why that's happening. Well, it's because we're coming together, and we've learned these versions of truth, and, and we're, we've been looking to other people and other things to kind of give us the definition of how you do this thing. And when we just kind of fall into the natural way of doing it, and we don't kind of take time like this today to sit down and really kind of evaluate it, we just begin to search to and fro, who is it that will love me? And who is it that I can love? And, and we look to another person to complete us, or to fill us, or to satisfy. And that becomes one of the most common problems that we do. We begin to depend on other people to fill this place within ourselves. And that need, left unexamined, because you're unusual to come here on a Sunday morning and be willing to open your hearts and begin to examine and begin to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart. Because masses of people really don't take the time to do that. But left unexamined and unchecked, it begins to silently cross this place within our heart that started out pure and as a desire that God placed there, and it crosses this kind of invisible line into a place that we begin to become dependent on other people to do something that really only God can do in our life. And we say, oh, I don't care about what other people think. Uh, yeah, we do. We, we just got to get, we, we do. We're all vulnerable to this silent killer because it happens so subtly. It happens so silently. And there's a book called People Pleasing, and, and the author says, we may have begun, what may have begun as a legitimate God-given desire has now metastasized and mutated in a driving need to please people instead of God. We're all vulnerable to it because we learn very early in life how to do it, and we don't even think about it, and we enter into life and, and we, we just, it just happens without even realizing it. But I've got some really, really good news for us today. The silent killer can only destroy us when we, we refuse to acknowledge that it's there. Well, how do we acknowledge it? Well, with a proper diagnosis, we've got to take a look. We've got to allow the Lord, the Holy Spirit to kind of reveal this place within our heart that we're all vulnerable to and kind of look, where did I cross that line into making pleasing people or people and things more important than I've made pleasing God? So we've got to make a diagnosis. Have you ever gone to the doctor? Anybody? <laughs> okay, if you went there with a broken arm and he said, okay, stick your leg up here. I'm going to put a cast on it. Uh, what would you do? You'd walk out. Why? Because it's not going to take care of the problem, right? You want a proper diagnosis. If you went and your kidneys were shutting down, he said, well, we're going to give you some heart medication. What would you do? See, we need a proper diagnosis and a proper treatment plan in order for the healing to happen properly. And so that's what we're going to do here this morning. We're going to do a little self-examination. First of all, we need to say, I, I need to say what the root 
of this is. The root of the problem of people pleasing or this need for approval that somehow has crossed this line is fear. Fear of people. And in Proverbs, this is a, a little scripture in Proverbs that made a huge impact in mine and Buddy's life early in our marriage. And uh, fear was just in there. You know, Buddy came from all of his stuff with all of his stuff and I came with all of my stuff and we came together and bam, we hit a place where we said, whoa, this is not working. And I'll never forget the day that the Lord kind of just brought this, this uh, little scripture to me. And I took it to Buddy and we kind of discussed it and, and I looked what it said, I looked up what it said in the message because it gives a little bit more of a modern day twist to it and then I'll tell you what I, how I learned it. It says, the fear of human opinion disables. Wow, let that sink in because you know what? We live in a culture that has an opinion epidemic. Everybody has an opinion. Look at all the Redskins here today. the bingles <laughs> see now I'm getting a little energy out of you <laughs> I talk about the fear of man <laughs> everybody has an opinion right that's why so many people get offended that's what we talked about last week and uh, but this this scripture says the fear of other people's opinions will disable you now, in the King James, which I learned, uh, it says, the fear of man, which means mankind. The fear of man is like a snare. Do you know what a snare is? What's a snare? It's a trap. And do you know what that trap does? It's not set to kill that animal. It's set to trap it and sink into its flesh. And when that animal tries to get away, it just digs deeper. I had a cat do that to me one time. I reached down in the laundry basket. That cat was in there and the claws caught me. And the more I pulled out, the deeper those claws went in. Ouch. That, that's what a snare is. And it says the fear of mankind is like a snare. But the person that puts their trust in the Lord will be kept safe. So the first part of that, the fear, we're going to have to get, that's the diagnosis Okay, so you know this, okay, who will admit to taking those little quizzes online, on Facebook? Oh, you admit to it, that's awesome, because the rest of you, you're probably doing it and not telling anyone. <laughs> uh, if I were a car, I would be a Tesla, and my hippie name is Flower, and my real age, go ahead, guess it. Oh, man, you were here last night. 21. Pretty good. <laughs> I'm not sure what that means. And you know, isn't it amazing you can answer seven to ten questions and know exactly who you are? That's pre pretty amazing. Well, I'm going to give you a little quiz here this morning to see how much of a people pleaser you might be. Get your notes out. And what I want you to do is circle. If you're brave enough, you might want to hide it from the person next to you. Not really. The more you get it out, the less shame you'll feel about it. And so circle the number that, that tends to be you. Uh, now it won't, uh, won't have all of them. So we're going to go through them pretty quickly. 
Okay, first of all, do you tend to go along with the crowd rather than stand alone and feel excluded? Now, sometimes you might not. You might be willing to do that, but there may be times. See, what this is going to be is kind of a baseline for you to know where you need to allow God to examine a place in your heart. Okay, number two, do you only want people around you who, who will agree with you? Do you tend to gather people that will uh, agree with what you're ranting and raving about? <laughs> uh, like the, those Redskin fans, right? Um, do you ever overcommit volunteers? Do you find that it's hard to say no even when wisdom says that you should? <laughs> do you need to do things for others? This is a real pitfall for pastors. The needs are never filled. They're never done. The, and, and we tend to think that we're supposed to fill all of those needs. Do you ever need to do for others? Uh, do you get angry when you want something from others and they don't do it? I need you to get over in that other lane. <laughs> do you need or require your spouse to listen to you, to respect you? Let's see. Getting some energy here. Would you say that you have low self-esteem? Circle that if you would say that you have low self-esteem. Do you tend to put others' needs first sometimes at the expense of taking good care of yourself or your family? Another pitfall of pastors. Do you second-guess your decisions when you hear what others think? Are you afraid of making mistakes that might make you look bad in the other's eyes? And in, in other words, you don't risk things. You don't tend to step out and speak out because you're afraid that you'll look bad in somebody else's eyes. Do you experience a love hunger? In other words, do you continually feel like you need to search for people to, or, or things to fill this place inside? Uh, do you easily get embarrassed? If so, probably others' opinions define you. This is a real uh, tough one. Do you ever shade the truth or rationalize little white lies uh, so you can save face? <laughs> uh, do you ever feel jealous of other people? Does it seem other people often make you angry or depressed? Uh, you'll hear yourself say, he made me angry. Or I'm depressed because da 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 da. Uh, see, that's... Um, do you avoid people? Do you avoid conflict by yielding, withdrawing, or changing the subject? So you don't want to hear what this person has to say, so you'll deflect it somehow. Are you hesitant to let others know the truth about who you are inside? Do you steer conversations away from topics that might cause people to realize how you really feel? Do you ever shade the truth in order not to offend others? Ooh, I don't want to step on anybody's toes. Do you fish for compliments by putting yourself down so other people say, oh, that's not true? You're wonderful. <laughs> uh, somebody said, I, last night I said, if, do you see yourself in this? Have you circled? Is there anyone that didn't circle any? And they said, go back to number 12 if you say you didn't circle in. <laughs> oh, see, if we circled any of these, this is a baseline for, say, for us to say, here's where I have a vulnerability for this to cross over a line in my heart for me to be affected 
by looking to other people or things to fill that place. See, when we do that, it indicates that we're placing the control of our life into the hands of other people. We're leaning on what they think. We're fearing their opinions, their approval or disapproval, and we all have little pieces of that within us. Remember this statement, whatever or whomever we need controls us. That's powerful if you really kind of meditate on that. And see, if you circled any, it means that there's a deadly toxin area to acknowledge that needs healing. That's the first order of business, to acknowledge it. It can only destroy you when we don't acknowledge it. It creeps around everywhere, even in the church. Listen, we cannot live for the approval of people and the approval of God simultaneously. Can't do it. When one lords over the other, you'll forget about what the other thinks. Just think on that. When one lords over the other, you'll forget about what the other thinks. When people lord over us and their opinions, we'll forget about what God thinks. When God lords over us, we'll begin to forget about what people think. See, what we need is to acknowledge that silent killer in our heart and to create a treatment plan and a treatment plan is a course of action. Okay, we know what the problem is now. What direction are we going to head so that healing can happen in our life? And that's the second part of that little tiny scripture that can be revolutionary in our lives. That says, trusting in God protects you from that. Go Redskins. Anyway. Uh, See what I mean? So, <laughs> that's for you, ma'am. <laughs> I, I just want to now talk to us. You know, really, we're talking about idols. When we put others over God, we're talking about an idol in our life. And so to overcome that, I must first focus on pleasing God instead of pleasing people. You've got to focus on that. It's got to be a part of our uh, lives. You know, it, it's, that, it's really that simple, that we focus on pleasing God instead of pleasing people. We don't need to live for the crowd, but we need to learn to live for God. Uh, Paul said it best in uh, Galatians 1.10 when he said, obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people. And when you follow Paul's life, that's true, but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, Paul says, I, I would not be Christ's servant. Now, don't miss that last part. If pleasing people is my goal, Paul said, I would not be Christ's servant. Now, you cannot live for both the applause of the crowd and yet live for God. You see, so focus on pleasing God instead of pleasing people. Here's a statement that will revolutionize our lives. We cannot please, we cannot please all people. We can't do it. If you really, if we can really begin to really believe that statement, it will revolutionize our life. You see, because you will never drive the right car, you will never live in the right neighborhood, you will never wear the right clothes or listen to the right music or have the right morality in your life. Because someone, that will always offend or uh, not set well with someone. You see, we took, it, it, what took me a long time to learn and is transforming my life 
even today, in freeing me is that I cannot please everybody. When I went into ministry, I just thought, well, if I just please everybody, will everybody be happy and things will be good and we'll grow. And, and it's impossible. But here's what I've learned. I can please God. I can please God. Let's say it together. I can't please everybody, but I can please God. Let's do it one more time because I really want this to settle in. I can't please everybody, but I can please God. Paul says, I'm not trying to be a people pleaser. And he says, if I'm trying to be a people pleaser, then I couldn't be Christ's servant. And, and what, what, I was, what he's saying is, I'm focusing on living for God instead of living for the applause of other people. You see, being obsessed with what other people think about me is the fastest, is the fastest way we can uh, lose track with what God thinks about me. I can't please all the people all the time, but I can please God. And so I'm going to focus on what God thinks about me, not what others think about me. The second thing is I'm going to live with the approval of God instead of for the approval of people. That's easy for me to say, easy for you to hear. I'm going to live with the approval of God instead of the approval of people. Now, this is another life-transforming truth, if we can internalize that and begin to make that a core value of our lives and internalize that, that, that I am going to live with the approval of God instead of the approval of people. If you're a follower of Jesus, here's what you need to know. God approves of you through Christ. He already approves of you through Christ. He, he already digs you. He already loves you. He already thinks you are, he already thinks that you're all that. So you live with the approval of God instead of the approval of people. Paul says, on the contrary, we speak as men approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We're not trying to please men, but we're trying to please God who tests our hearts. Now, that's cool, isn't it? We're approved by God. Now, this means he trusts us with the gospel. This scripture is talking about he now trusts us with the gospel, even though we're all sinners. Now, what is this gospel that he trusts us, trusts us with? The gospel is simply this. Jesus came to earth. He lived. He would never sin. He came to earth to seek and to save those who were lost. He came, he became sin for us, and he died on a cross. On the third day, he was raised from the dead, and anyone who believes in him and calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. No matter what we've done, no matter where you spent last night, no matter what your lives have been involved in, everybody can be saved. It is God's will that all should be saved, that none should perish, but that all should be saved. And so if you're a follower of Jesus, you are approved of God, and you're entrusted with the message of the gospel. Now, here's what I believe. If you and I truly follow Jesus, if you say, you know what, I'm a true Christ follower, I truly follow Jesus. And here's what you need to know. You will not be liked by all the people. You will not be liked by all the people. If you truly make a stand in the world we live in, and sometimes even in the church we attend, if you make a stand for Jesus, and you say, what, I'm not going to be like everyone else, and I'm going to live for Jesus, you're not going to be liked by everybody. There's going to be a lot of people who don't like you. And if you're liked by all the people, you probably need to examine your life and say, am I really following Jesus? If everybody likes you, am I really, being a, am I really truly following Jesus?
See, you're, you're approved by God. And therefore, when we are following God and we're living our life to please God, then we are entrusted with the gospel. And Paul goes on to say, we're not trying to please people, but God who tests our heart. Here's another important truth. When God looks at you, he doesn't see your sins. He sees the righteousness of Christ. When you confessed your sins, the Bible says that he washed away all of our sins. He cleansed us from all unrighteousness. He doesn't see our sin. He sees the righteousness of Jesus because of what Christ did. And see, because of what Christ did, then my worth is not what, uh, based on what people think about me. I'll say that again. My worth is not based on what people think about me. And when I realize that I am in Christ, my worth is based on what God says about me. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, it doesn't matter what your, your parents said to you, that you'll never mount anything. It doesn't matter what that school teacher may have said to you. It doesn't matter what an employer may have said to you. It doesn't matter what the devil says to you. When you are a follower of Christ, your worth is based on what God says about you. And somebody here today needed to hear that. Somebody needed to hear that. Therefore, when we believe that my worth is based on Christ, I don't have to suck up to anybody. You know what I mean? I don't have to suck up to anybody. God's going to take care of me. If I seek ye first the kingdom of God, I don't have to suck up to my boss. I don't have to suck up to my school teacher to get good grades. I don't have to suck up to anybody. My parents? Well, maybe sometimes. Anyway. <laughs> you know what I was just thinking when I was sitting there listening to Gay? You know, if, you're, if, you're, if you have students at home and, you're not, and they're not hearing this message, not because I'm part of this message, but because it's the Word of God, you ought to sit down with your students on Wednesday night and watch this message with them. Because the biggest trap that young people are falling in today is basing their worth on what everybody else says about them. They're basing their worth and their value, and they're trying to please you. They're trying to please their teachers. They're trying to please their friends, which is a dangerous way for them to live. And I would certainly sit down and say, we're going to listen to that as our family devotions tonight. You see, you don't, have to, you don't have to seek the approval of anybody because you're living already with the approval of God. And that's a life changer. Here's another life changer. You're not who the devil says you are. You know that little voice that whispers in your ears and tells you you're a loser? Even though you're a cowboy fan, you're not a loser. You're not. <laughs> I mean... I mean, I don't even know. I mean, I'm just saying. I can't get on that. I, got, I don't have time. <laughs> I can talk really big today because we haven't played the first game yet, okay? We're going to have the best record we had all year today, right now. But, you know, you're who God says you are. So who does God say you are? Who does he say I am? You're a new creation. The Bible says in First or Second Corinthians, you're a new creation. You're not just improved. You're not just trying to live the good life. You are a new creation. Ephesians says you're forgiven and your sins are washed away. Cast as far as the east is from the west, never to be remembered against you again. No matter what you've done, no matter how dirty you think you've been or you have been in the past, you're not damaged goods. You are forgiven. Romans 8 says that you are more than a conqueror. You're not just a conqueror, folks. We're not just conquerors. We're more than conquerors. We're overcomers. We're overcomers. 
Ephesians 2.10 says God, that God, that we're God's masterpiece. Wow. Think of that. I think back to my days when I thought I was just a worthless piece of, you know, of something. And I realized today that I am a masterpiece created by God. That he knit me together in my mother's womb that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Wow, that can get me pretty excited. Because I came from the other side of the tracks. And to realize I'm God's masterpiece. Matthew 5, 14 says that you are the light of the world. And see, in this dark, dark world that we live in, this sin-filled world, you and I are the light of the world. Second Corinthians says you are Christ's ambassador. An ambassador is the highest-ranking diplomat. Sent from one country to another. So you're the highest ranking representative sent from heaven to earth. Entrusted with the good news of Jesus Christ to share with the world. Second Corinthians says you are the righteousness of God in Christ. Wow. And Romans 1, 7 says you are greatly loved by God. So when you don't feel loved, you are greatly loved. Remember, you're greatly loved by the creator of the universe, the God that hung the stars and the moon in the sky, that God who sacrificed his son so that you and I could have eternal life, we are greatly loved by him. Not only that, Romans says you, you are joint heirs with Christ. In other words, you will inherit what Christ inherits. You will inherit the kingdom of God. You are special. And it's not based on what you've done. It's because of what Christ did for us. And we're joined to him. And, what, and when you really believe who God says you are, folks, when we really believe that, if we could believe that, there'd be another per, there would be, never be a person in this world that we'd want to please more than we'd want to please God. And we spend a whole lot of time trying to get the approval and the pleasing other people. You see, because you live for the approval of God, when you live for the approval of God, that changes everything in our lives. Have, have you noticed or is it just me? Does it seem to you that in our world today, almost everybody, including a lot of us in the church, is living to please others instead of living to please God? I don't know about you, but I find, it, it, I find it, it's much easier for me to conform to how the world dictates how I am to live. It's much easier for me just to conform, just get in line, do what the commercial says. It's much easier for me to please me and to please others than it is to please God. You see, I, I sometimes find it's hard to be a God pleaser. It's much easier for me at times to please my wife or my kids or my grandkids. And you, even you, it's much easier sometimes for me to feel like that I, I could please you than to please God. And maybe if you're honest, when fear strikes your heart too, you cave in to the approval of others as well. And rather than telling the truth, we might shade the truth to protect ourselves. Or we might not openly share how we feel because we don't want to deal with conflict. So maybe when you're honest... You too, when fear strikes you, you too cave in to the approval of others. So how do we overcome this need for the approval of others? Paul answers that in Romans 12 too. He said, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. Paul is saying, in other words, Paul is saying, if you are a Christ follower, don't live like everybody else. Don't conform to the world. 
The world lives for themselves, and we, we learn to please everyone else. The polls tell us that that's how politics do. What the polls say, that's what we do because we want to please people, and we fall right into that. But Paul goes on to say, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. You see, when we, when we have, when God renews our mind and we're transformed by the renewing of our minds as we work in partnership with God and we, he renews our mind, then we're able to test and approve and we don't have to, uh, we don't have to please other people. But Paul is saying, don't be conformed, but be transformed. Be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. So how's that possible? Well, the truth is Romans 12.1 makes Romans 12.2 possible. Romans 12.1 makes Romans 12.2 possible. Romans 12.1 says, therefore, therefore, since we're not to conform, we're not to conform to this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Therefore, Paul says, I urge you, brothers, in the view of God's mercy. What's God's mercy? He loved us so much while we were yet still sinners. He died for us. And he showed us mercy. We deserved hell. He gave us heaven. That's God's mercy. He says, therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as what? Living sacrifices. Holy, 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 and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Here's the, ball, here's the bottom line. Ultimately, it's not about me. Ultimately, it's not about me. It doesn't matter what others think about me. Really, what should matter is what God thinks about me. The best way, as I said earlier, to forget what God thinks about me is to be obsessed with what you think about me or what Gay thinks about me or what Phil Fuller thinks about me. And when I focus on that, it's the fastest way that I can lose focus on what God thinks about me. You see, therefore, therefore, what Paul is saying, therefore, I must lay down. I must offer myself to God fully. I must offer myself fully to God on the altar. And I, I got to lay down on the altar what God says about me. He, I'll even need to lay down what I think about me. And I don't always think the best about me. And so when I don't think the best about me, that's when I want Bobby to prove me. And so I got to lay down what you think about me on the altar. So that I can please God. And I can become what God says about me. Because ultimately, I can't please everybody. But the good news is, by faith and through Christ, I can please God. And so can you. So I guess the question that I need to end this with is, where do you run? Honestly, answer that question. Where do you run when the fear of man hits you? Do you run to Jesus and surrender fully to him, or do you give in to man? Do you surrender to God, or do you surrender to your fears? And all of us have to answer that. We all took the test. I flunked it. You see, when fear strikes our heart, 
When fear strikes your heart, do you call on Jesus and surrender to him? Or do you conform to the world? Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in the view of God's mercy, this morning to offer yourselves as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is our spiritual act of worship. Let's worship God today. Father, in the name of Jesus, we don't want to worship you today, Lord. We don't want to worship others. And God, we find ourselves so easily in the trap of fear, God, that God, we do everything we can to get out of that trap except turn to you and surrender to your love and your will for our lives and to give ourselves completely to you, Lord, Rather than do that, God, sometimes just to get the pain to go away or to be liked or loved or accepted, Lord, we turn to other things. And God, I ask you would forgive us today. That you would forgive us, Father. And Father, that as we surrender to you, that you would purify us today from all unrighteousness. I pray for our church today, Lord those that are here in the cafe, those that are watching online, those that are not here this morning. God, I just pray, God, that we would be a church that's not concerned with pleasing people, but God, that we would be a, a church that's so, so into pleasing you that God, when people see us, they would know just that they would know that we are different from what sometimes people believe about us as Christians. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would have your way and your will in our lives just this very moment that we have left together. Father, I pray for everyone here, including me, that God, today, Lord, if we're not fully surrendered to you and we're still trying to live to please others, that today we will offer ourselves completely to you. So with all of our heads bowed and all of our eyes closed, and you'd say, buddy, I'm like you with all of our heads bowed and all of our eyes closed. I'm like you, buddy. I flunked the test. Would you just pray for me? Would you just slip up your hand and say, yep, I flunked that test. Yep. Yep. God bless you. Father, I pray for every person that raised their hand today. I pray, God, that your Holy Spirit would minister in a wonderful way today. That during this last moment that we have together, God, that whether in our seats, and I'm talking to you and not God here because he don't care where we do it at. But whether it be in your seat or up here at the front praying today, would you just lay your life down today and receive all that God has for you today? God has not only uh, life for you, but he has life abundantly for us that we don't have to live to please anybody. That he wants to fill our heart and give us the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. God has, that power is available in us if we'll surrender to that power. God will begin to change our motives and our hearts more like him where we really do live to please him if you want to receive that by faith today as we worship in this closing song together you can gather up front and pray and pray in your seat to surrender to God today if you struggle and you fail the test let's stand and let's worship together if you are a new Christian and would like to know what to do next or where to go from here you will want to get a free Next Step packet that contains reading materials and useful resources that will point you in the right direction. For more information, please contact Salem Fields Community Church at 540-786-6212 
or visit our website at salemfields.com or email us at podcast at salemfields.com.